Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, John? Yeah, I can hear hey. you. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Um, okay. Just uh, Hold on one, sec- one second. I'm sorry. One second. Mm-hmm. I'll go pick it up from Corral. I'm here. All right, cool. Um, I'm just going to get started here in a second. Um, I'm going to kind of walk through like your accomplishments, you know, bring up some like, just kind of talk to you about your career a little bit, some of my favorite highlights from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can move into, you know, everything else. If that works with okay. you. Okay. Yep. That works great. All right, man. What's up, everybody? This is Clint, the Off Real Podcast. I've got the great John Lucas III on with me today. Um, really excited about this one. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Not bad. So, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I got you. Um, oh, just, to, just to kind of like refresh, like um, kind of surmise some of the stuff that I know you've done. You can go back to Bel Air. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, Bel Air, you've got one of the best high school basketball teams in the nation back then. Mecca Okafor, for a while, Lawrence Roberts uh, with you. If he stays, you'll probably beat Willow Ridge that next year, right? Mm-hmm. Are you there? Let's try this again. I think our connection is bad. Or was. Hello? Can, All right. can you hear me? I, I got you now. There we are. There we are. Okay. Right. I was I was saying that uh, Lawrence Roberts went to Bel Air with me my freshman year. He was right. part of that team that won the city championship. We was 36 and 1. Uh, and we played on the freshman team. My coach had a rule where all freshmen had to play on the freshman team. So we had three NBA players playing on freshman team. And we actually beat our varsity team by 30 points when we played nope. against them. We actually beat our varsity team by 30 points when we played them in, like, you know, the pet rally game when it's, like, uh, in school in school um, game where, the you know, the class seven, – seven period, I think. And we, uh, we are like we should have been on varsity, but then we, again, 
um, actually talking to Coach Hudak at the time, he was telling me later on in my life, like maybe maybe about six months ago, I asked him, um, you know, what made him keep us on freshman. And he said that he reached out to Coach uh, at Wheatley High School, who had success with state championships at the time, and he had a great group of guys come in. And he was saying that you want you want your guys to grow up in a winning environment, so let them learn how to win together all on the same level. So when mm. they get to varsity, it's not like they already know how to play with each other. And it made complete sense when he was explaining it to me, but it didn't make complete sense when at the time when I was in school. <laughs> right, 14, 15, something like that. Um, yes, correct. You know, moving on, I'm not sure, you know, a lot of people realize, I mean, I feel like whenever people talk about you, they talk about the shot in the Elite Eight to get to the Final mm -hmm. Four, which is an incredible moment. Um, I don't want to be cliched and be like, what's going through your head at that moment? I want to know, how dope is it to hit a shot like that? Like, is that the coolest feeling ever? It's, uh, it's one of the uh, fondest memories I have playing in college basketball. Um, and it was just that year was just crazy for me. You know, being investigated by the NCAA, going through the whole FBI and all that stuff that happened at Baylor. And I wasn't even on scholarship my junior year. I was a walk-on, so I paid to go to Oklahoma State my junior year. So I was – I was – um, I was uh, – can you hear me? Yeah. I, I was probably one of the – I was the only walk-on to ever win the Big 12 player of the year. <laughs> I, I was going to bring up that, you know, your, your college career um, – you're all Big 12 freshmen. Um, you're Big 12, you're all-conference twice. You're All-American in 04, Big 12 Player of the Year. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew this or not, but did you know that um, for being under six feet tall your college career, you rank in, like, the top 10th percentile in true shooting percentage? I didn't know that. but I, actually, I, I just – you know what? It's crazy to me looking back on it because I it's been so long ago since oh, I yeah. played college basketball. I know, dude. It's like, been, we're the like, same age. <laughs> when I when I went back to school when they honored I I never I never went back like when I graduated from Oklahoma State I didn't go back to Oklahoma State until they honored us ten years later for the Final Fourteen. Um, because I've always felt like you know that's a chapter that was passed. I didn't want to be one of those players that always remembered and always want to be on campus after I'm yeah. graduated and stuff. Cause I have seen that. And I was like, man, he's like 33 years old and he's still kind of reminiscing on his high school, on his college days <laughs> where I felt like it's more to life after basketball. It's more to life than after college. And by far college is the funnest time you're going to have as an athlete, you know what I'm saying? Cause then when you get to the next level, now it's a business. Yeah, It's like, it ain't no more fun. So when I went back, um, my wife came with me, and I was like, when they was naming all my accomplishments that I did in college, I was like, damn, I forgot all about, like, I'm like, shit, I really put a lot of work in in college. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It, it just, it goes. But that junior year is special to me just because of everything I went through my first two years in college at Baylor. Um, Absolutely. And, and I mean, so, it's, it's, a, it's a big, not to, not to cut you off, um, but like that right there, um, let, let, me come back to, let me come back to that thought because there's a couple mm -hmm. other things I, I got to dote on you for here. So I, I, know that, I know that everybody, when I've been talking to people, everybody wants to bring up that LeBron hurdled you one time, right? 
-hmm. What I don't think a lot of people realize is the next time you saw them in March, you dropped 24 on them. And there's Correct. one play in specific like that I'm thinking of where you drove LeBron down to the free throw line and stepped back and broke his ankles, which nobody yeah. wants to put. And I mean, like, to me, that's like the ultimate retribution. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, man, you know what? That, that was a lockout year, 2010. And I've always knew my playing ability. I always knew what I would be able to do on the biggest stage, on the big stage. I've never shied away from the moment. I never shied away from anything in the game of basketball. And at the time, by far, that was a highlight of when he jumped over me and still unbelievable play, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's something I would never take away, something I would never, uh, never take away from anybody. Um, but – you know, is that constantly you see it on top 10? And at the time, it, it was social media was just now really getting big in 2010. Yeah. I think it was just Facebook and Twitter at the time. So we didn't have, like, Instagram and all these other things they have now. Um, but when it happened, I really didn't realize – I didn't know he jumped over me. Because it's a moment, it's a part of the game. Like, it happened so quick. Until yeah. we call a timeout and they showed it on the jumbotron, I was like, "Oh shit!" He like cleared me. <laughs> like that, I was like, "That's def that's definitely gonna be top ten. That's gonna be number one for a while." I'm like, "That's gonna be number one." I'm like, "I'm I'm forever gonna be in the Hall of Fame now because it's gonna be it's like one of his highlights that's gonna be in the Hall of Fame." So it, it I'm is. like. I'm, I, I, I have a very uh, silly personality, and I like to have fun and stuff. So I don't really take stuff too seriously. Uh, so when people would, like, always talk about it, I'd be like, yeah, man, it was what, what you want me to do. Like, but, you know, it was a hell of a fight. If but, you want to look at that run, though, with the Bulls, dude, when Rose went down, you went off. Like, you went over double digits nine times in the month of March. There was the game against Toronto where you had 13 in the fourth quarter to come back and win. Like, you went bananas. It was, man, I always – see, when you get to the league, right, yeah, when you get to the league, it's all about opportunity. It's all about being prepared and stepping up for the moment, you know? I've never got out myself out of shape. I've always knew I could play on that level with whoever, whenever. It was just a matter of me getting to the right team, to a right coach who knows me and who's going to put me in the – who knows my game. And not try to change me to be who I I'm a I'm a two I'm a two guard trapped in the one's body. Exactly. So when I first got in the league, they was everybody was trying to make me somebody I wasn't. A pass first, a pass first point guard. And now today's game, I just came in at the wrong time. Like if I was to come in now into the NBA, I'm a hundred, two hundred million, I'm Kimball Walker, I'm one fifty. Uh -huh, you know, because now they're paying scoring guards and they pay undersized scoring guards. Yes, they so, are. And I, I always had this conversation with my with my really good friend Will Bynum, um, a couple of other players that I have that we all were scoring guards, and we just came in at the wrong era. We came in at the wrong time, but here and there, you know, we made the most of it. But this the the time that 2010, you know. I, we, I was with a great group of guys. I had a coach who knew me in and out. He was my assistant coach when I was playing for the Rockies my first two years, Tom mm -hmm. Thibodeau. And yeah. he was my player development coach. So that's the person I worked with every morning before practice, before the games and stuff. So he knew my game. And the year I signed with the Rockies, he was my summer league coach. 
And I should have won MVP in Summer League. I averaged 28, 8, and 8 all through Summer League. But because I, I wasn't a rookie, I was already had one year of uh, NBA experience underneath my belt. They end up giving it to Randy Foy, who, like, only averaged, like, 20 points, six assists, something like that. But across the board, I averaged 28, 8, and 8 throughout all of Summer League. Man. Um, no, like, uh, what you're saying, a score first, like, the, the guard thing. I call y'all points guards instead of point guards. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like but, that one. That was a good one. I never heard that one, but I like that one. That's original. You can take it. Um, okay. Now, something that's going on right now, kind of like getting back into um, something I know you've never spoken about, something I've wanted to hear your thoughts on for a long time. Um, I went to Baylor, too, same time as John. Big Baylor fan my whole life. And mm-hmm. when the division happened, I took your side in it, which mm-hmm. I know – a lot of people really didn't understand. There was a lot of venom. Like people were so bitter at you, like for leaving, and there was so much confusion. And uh, I'll never forget. Like um, I know I've told you this story, but the night of your Elite Eight game, Incubus played a concert in Stillwater that we went up mm-hmm. to, and then we left the concert and we went to some bar over there. And I was in a um. Like, we had kind of planned it that way to watch that game there. And um, I wore a Baylor shirt that I had taken a piece of tape and covered up and had uh, Okie State. And then I had, like, uh, Lucas on the back. And, like, I got a lot of love in the bar for that because it, Mm -hmm. like, kind of was – so, I mean, that was cool. But um, at that point, like, I look at Zion Williamson in the news right now, and you Mm -hmm. hear about these impermissible benefits and all this stuff that goes on. And, Mm -hmm. like, you were tangled up in a lot of that, but I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of it was unfair. Like, I mean, can you tell us? I mean, just talk. So, uh, my Baylor days, uh, I could have gone anywhere in the country for basketball and tennis. I played tennis. I was actually a better tennis player. Uh, I was top top 10 in the state of Texas, top 50 50 in the United States. Uh, So, I was technically supposed to play tennis at Baylor while Mm -hmm. I played basketball, too. But uh, Baylor was the – Coach Bliss at the time, he was the only coach that told me that I that he wasn't going to redshirt me and I was going to play right away because I never lift weights in high school. So when I came into college, I was 135 pounds, uh, give or take. Um, and I always felt like, you know, if you can play, you should be on the court. Like, yeah. why do I have to take a whole year off to get ready to play? That's something I know I've been doing my whole entire life. And I've been playing against pros my whole entire life. So me going against college players is really – I didn't see – like, I would, like – when it was like, oh, you playing against Mo Baker, I'm like, okay, and? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, you playing against Kirk Heinrich, I'm like, okay, and? Like, y'all don't realize, like, ever since I've been a freshman in high school, I've been playing against Steve Francis, Allen Iris, and Stephon Marbury. So, like, if I'm, if I'm going at them, I'm not scared about going at any of these college basketball players. Definitely. So it's just a mentality, but – my first year went great. I'm not even gonna lie. We wasn't that. We wasn't good. I think it was a rebuilding year. I think that Coach Bliss and the coaching staff really didn't know what they had in us, especially with the freshmen coming in. Myself, Lawrence Roberts, Kenny Taylor. You know, they really didn't have uh, what we had. You know, they were talking about me coming off the bench and Matt Samen starting ahead of me, and I was like, "That's not gonna happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that spot." Mm-hmm. Like. You know, so – and it's, it was no knock on Matt, not, nothing like that. I'm just a competitor. Like, I feel yeah. like if, if we go head up, I know I'm the better person. 
Right. But at the end of the day, that's my teammate. So I know he's going to make me better. And I was looking at Matt as somebody who could kind of mentor me because he's he was already he's a, a junior in college. Yep. So he already been through two years. So I never looked at myself better than anybody. And I've always wanted advice and always seek guidance of the upperclassmen and like Wendell Greenleaf, uh, mm. Terry Black, who was left the year I came in, you know, because he yep. graduated, who told me, you know, the ins and outs. And I always say true, but Baylor, my first year was cool. My second year, it was a roller coaster. I was out. Yeah. A lot of people don't know. I've, I was already transferring. My, before all that stuff happened, I was already going to transfer to the University of Memphis. It was already done. I was supposed to go really? with Coach Cal. Not too many people know that. So my sophomore year, I, I never get it. was probably the last eight games of the Big 12 and then the tournament. Well, all of a sudden, I just stopped playing. I don't know if you even remember this. They, start, they started uh, Andre White. And I went from playing almost 32 minutes a game to not playing. The, I didn't play none the last eight games of the season. I actually do remember that. What what happened? And then we get – and then I don't know. You know, Coach Blissett, he just he just started – excuse my language, just started like kind of like messing with me. And I don't even know why. You know, I don't know what it was. I don't know. You know, every time they used to talk about Baylor, my name was never mentioned because, you know, they control all that. So they start pushing, like, Lawrence Roberts and pushing these other players who didn't average as, as average the same numbers. I led the team in points and assists yep. my both both year, my freshman sophomore year. So it was just – and then, like, like, little bitty things start happening. Like, like, for instance, a lot of people don't notice, so a lot of people, like, always give me, like, kind of hell about – leaving and not showing loyalty to Baylor and not doing this and that. But I never looked at it to be loyal because they were never loyal to me. So when I, I remember we could all park our cars at the Ferrell Center and all of our, like, like three of our cars got broken into, right? So they paid for everybody else's car, but they didn't pay for my car. They told me, oh, your dad got it. You can take care of yourself, which I felt really? like wasn't fair. Which I felt like it wasn't fair. I mean, they broke my window, took my took my radio, and took some Jordans I had out the back of my car. But they paid for Lawrence Roberts and Kenny Taylor's car, but I had to come out of pocket to pay for my for my car, which I felt like wasn't fair. But I didn't make a big deal out of it. My dad, I told my dad, he was like, "Man, just go get it taken care of." You know what I'm saying? And it was little bitty stuff that everybody don't know. But since, you know, I'm so open now and it's so far behind me, I'm just going to be up front. Um, it was uh, little bitty things. Like, that was one incident. Then another incident was um, my dad gets fired from Cleveland. And, you know, the families used to be directly behind our bench. Mm-hmm. And I never get like, you know, we were struggling and they was kind of like kind of wanting Coach Bliss's job. Like people were, like wanted a change and he was in the hot chair a little bit with the what we was doing. And the newspaper was like, man, wouldn't it be great if Coach Lucas could come here and coach Baylor? Like that. So when we when we get there, I uh, the next day my parents drive up, all of a sudden they're in the nosebleed section while everybody else is still in there saying because, you know, they control the tickets. Oh they control yeah. where it happens. So it was little bitty things that people don't know that would happen. And then it was the time that, you know, we was in practice one time and 
you know, practice was boring to me because I've always was so competitive, so I had to win at everything. So for mm. me to keep practice in a competitive way, I used to always – I, like, was talking noise, you know what I'm saying, just so I could stay locked into practice because I would – I was like, man, this is too easy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. So I used to be like, oh, he can't hold me, boom, boom, boom. And I never get, like, one practice. Like, I'm doing it, and I'm telling Coach, like, yo, I don't mean nothing by it. I'm trying to stay locked into practice. And he, like, goes on and on and on about, like, you 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 think you're so this and so that you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth and like just kind of like putting me down almost. And I just got to a point where I was fed up and I was like, man, I'm not taking this no more. So I was like, coach, man, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. It was platinum. So it was like, you want to be an asshole to me? I can be one. Better than so it's 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 nothing higher. It's nothing higher than platinum. So I'm just telling you, like. Silver Spoon, that's like, oh, he grew up good and stuff. If you want to technically say that, then it was platinum. That's amazing. So he kicked me out. He kicked me out of practice. And when he kicked me out of practice, I was just like, he kind of chased me down and, like, kind of grabbed me by my shirt like this. So I swung off of him. And I was like, yo, I don't care. Like, you can call me. You can talk, yell, do whatever you want. Just don't touch me. And Coach Ash, who's my man today, I love Coach Ash. So Coach S was like, oh, let's calm down, guys, you know. And that was the falling out between me and Coach Bliss. Wow. Um, so so then we get to where I go to his office, like, Coach, I try to have a conversation with him. And at the time, I had a Nextel phone, you know, the chirp phone, and they had mm-hmm. the recorder and everything. And I was calling telling my dad, like, yo, I'm not, I'm not happy here. Like, it got to the point where I would literally go to class, and I would drive to Houston every day. I'll show up for my classes, and then I'm right on Highway 6 back to Houston, staying at my house, and then get up 5.30 in the morning to get back to Waco in time for my 9 9 a.m. class. And I'll go and then do the exact same thing. I hated it so much because I knew I had a boiling point where I could easily, like, lose it, where it could, like, kind of, like, jeopardize everything I had worked for with my reputation and all that just because of it. So my dad was like, go talk to him. So I went to go talk to him, and he's just cursing me out, and he's saying, you think you're going to transfer? I'm going to hold your transcript. I'm going to make these next two years for you a living hell, like saying all this to me. And I was like, Coach, man, I was like, Coach, thank you for that. I needed that. And I pulled out my phone and said, this is all I need. Thank you. And I let my dad hear it because my dad, like, and my dad was like, don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about it. Just get through the year, go through class, and we'll figure it out. He said, can't nobody stop you from doing whatever you want to do. So I knew he he couldn't – he didn't control me. And then as I got older and my dad and I talked about it, because I dealt with it for a while, it was like I've never had a coach not like me. I've never had a coach dislike me. I'm very coachable. And what it came out to be is Coach Bliss didn't know how to coach a rich black kid. Like, I didn't need anything from him. I had my, I had a car since I was a sophomore in high school. I didn't, he, like, he couldn't could, hold anything over your head. You, you can't – and that's what it was. Like, I, I, every shoe that came out, I had. You know, I, my, yeah. my, family's, my family's been with Nike. We got a lifetime contract with Nike. Then when I got to the NBA, I got my own contract with Nike. So, yeah. I like, you couldn't woo me by giving me tennis shoes. Like, I had – over 200 pair of tennis shoes in my apartment at Waco. Like, so you couldn't, 
if I needed anything, it was nothing for me to go get on my own. Like I didn't need, and that's what I think it boiled down to. It's like, I didn't need him for anything. And he hated it. I think so. I haven't talked to him since I left. Um, so, so, you know, you, you brought up something interesting when you were talking about he didn't know what to do with y'all as a freshman. And then I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talk about how he was with you. And I'm thinking back on games. Was he even that good of a coach, really? I mean, I would never tell, never say anything about his coach. I think he was a, a good coach at the time. I just think he didn't change. We were still running flex, and we had a lot of athletic players at the time where we should have been running more instead of running a flex offense. But Absolutely. here, there, that's his, that's his style of play. So, what you know, I feel like coaches always make adjustments with the changes of the players they have. Maybe for the longest, he didn't have like man. I think Terry Black was the only athletic player he had at the time. Yep. But now you got three or four. Like I'm dunking only at five eleven. Kenny Taylor, Lawrence Roberts. We had a lot of athletic. Wendell Greenleaf. A lot Wendell of Greenleaf, athletic. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a lot of running gun guys who could really run and play. But I think what it was, he made a lot of promises to some people, and he couldn't fulfill those promises. He probably promised players like Terrence Thomas that he was going to come in and kind of be take over and be the man. When he came in, my sophomore year was a JUCO transfer, and we had Ellis Kidd, you know, these guys from Dallas, you know, coming in. And and Lawrence and myself, we was like, no, nah, we top dogs here. Like, we had that mentality as a freshman. So, and you were. Um, right. So how – how was your relationship with um, Dennehy and Dotson? Man, that was, like, that's a crazy – people don't know, man. It's, it's crazy part. My dad used to fly us all up to Cleveland and we'll have a mini camp with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Pat, Carlton, Lawrence, myself, Kenny Taylor, like guys that I rock with used to be up there with me in Cleveland doing summer school. I, I never did summer school. Only my – going into my first year, we had to come in like one semester to do it. But other than that, I wasn't spending summers in Waco. That wasn't happening. I'm a city boy, so it wasn't going to yeah. happen. So, and I knew I was going to get better by being with my dad, playing against DeWan Wagner, Mimbo Cole, like Smith Parker, not playing against guys I play against every day in practice all year. Right. Um, and going to MCC campus and playing against their players, like, mm. you know what I'm saying? So or the slick uh, against me. <laughs> right. So it just uh, and so my dad used to fly him up. And it was great work. Where they guys were staying at my house. You know what I'm saying? And to for that incident to happen was crazy. Because you gotta think about it. every day we come in, be like one, two, three family. Just imagine you say one, two, three family, this family member killed this family, but we still supposed to say one, two, three family. And then you got a coach trying to cover it up and make RP my man Patrick and try to make Patrick somebody he wasn't to cover his dirt up. Like, that's not a man to me. Yeah, like, they're trying Pat to paint him in a really bad light. And it, he wasn't, Pat was the one of the nicest people you ever meet, had the greatest heart, give you the shirt off his back. Like, Pat, uh -huh. they were trying to make Pat like he was a drug dealer, like he sold drugs. And, and even when I watched the documentary, they asked me to be, and I said, I don't want to be a part of it. Even when they gave him the opportunity to correct himself, he still said, and he didn't even know the cameras and stuff was still on. He was like, yeah, everybody know Pat was selling weed to all the white kids on campus. Pat never sold weed. Uh, I, so it just, it just shows me, like, I'm like, damn. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy to me, and it's just sad.
it's sad because I sit in between both those guys. One sat on the right of me, the other one sat on the left of me in the locker room. And I imagine the. It's I can't imagine crazy. what that felt like, dude. Like, so what? I mean, was there ever like an inkling that you thought that? Man, um, it got to the point. I think everybody start carrying on campus mm-hmm. when all this started going down. Everybody yeah. was on, 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 on. I gotta protect myself because I don't know what's going on. We had a lot of incidents. We, you know, teammates fighting each other. You know, you know, just in-house stuff. But we didn't never think it would get to somebody actually killing somebody. I mean, who thinks that, though? That's cra- it's insane, still, if you, like, really think about it. And, I mean, we all lived in on campus, but, I mean, you are about as close to it as you get. And like yeah. you just said, you're also the only person I've never heard speak about it. Because um, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, man, because, you know, it brings up, it brings up bad memories. Even when I'm talking about it right now. It, bring, it brings up a time of me that I, that I have worked a, a, a hard time trying to cope with um like trying to figure out what i did wrong or what i could have done better um and it's just oh man it's just crazy it's just I, crazy as far as what you could have done better like dude like you did a whole lot well bro like after that like what you carved out of your career is just amazing man. well and you got you, you got always- like you said, joking, I mean, one of the things that struck out to me and why I rooted for you so hard everywhere else you went is because you were so friendly on campus. I mean, like, running to you, you acted like you knew everybody even if you didn't know them. So, I mean. Well, I, I'm just a people's person. I'm a people. I like, I like, like, I don't think I'm better than anybody. Like, when I step foot off the court, I'm a student, I'm a student athlete. Like, I'm a student, too. So, I don't have to, I don't have to hang around with just my teammates. I want to hang around with the track team, football team. What I hang around with any and everybody. Like I used to go to the slick and play just to be around just the regular stu- you know, the students. Yeah. To I remember get, that. To get to get to know them. Like let them know like I'm one of y'all. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. play on the team, but I'm I'm one of you all. You know what I'm saying? So when all that stuff happened and RT Gwen and how my name got cleared up was they called me asked me if I seen Pat because a lot of the guys used to come to Houston and work out with me and my dad at Rice University, right? And when Pat went up missing, you know, Coach Ash and them called me and asked me if I seen him. I was like, no. And that's before I got whiffed of like he's been missing for like, you know, they thought he might have been with his girlfriend or something like that. They didn't know, right? And I was like, no, I ain't seen I ain't seen him. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, okay, you know, nobody's heard from him. I was like, oh man, okay, yeah, I haven't seen him. You know what I'm saying? And that was it, the conversation. And then as the deeper it got, and and then they found his car. With the crazy part, Carlton tried to put it on a player coming into the coming into Baylor who had kind of like a little bit of reputation of being a high hit. Uh, what was his name? From Paris Junior College. He's from Virginia Beach. He went to Mount Zion Christian Academy. I can't even think of his name right now. Harvey Thompson. Harvey, 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 Tom- Harvey Thomas. Harvey Thomas. Yeah. Harvey Thomas. He and Harvey Thomas is from Virginia Beach. Now, do you remember he drove his car all the way to Virginia Beach and parked it at the at, in the mall? That's right, he did. Which I always thought was really weird. Because Carson's from from Maryland, so that means he drove past. He drove, dropped it off, and somebody picked him up and took him home. So, what does Pat Denny have any business doing in Virginia Beach? He tried to put it on 
Harvey Thompson and be like, because Harvey had a little bit of reputation coming in. Then you remember they found a gun at Harvey's house underneath a rock or something. Like, it was just crazy, but it wasn't the gun that was used. But, you know, it just everything lined up to, like, it was Harvey. You know what I'm saying? When it came out, and it, it wasn't. So not only does Dotson do it, and God knows, I mean, like, did he ever have a, did he just snap? I mean, was he kind of like a super aggressive I, I, person? No, never aggressive, always quiet, you know. Then, like he was know. in a Spanish class of mine, and he never said yeah, anything. anything. So it was just, I don't know. I, I, so it's weird how it happened and stuff, and I wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? I well, never, like, I, I'm just listening. So when all that said and happened, I, I, I remember uh, before I was, I mean, I was already transferring, but before I was at Jordan flight camp because I was one of the top players in college basketball. So Michael Jordan invites some of the top players to Santa Barbara for his flight camp. And we like counselors, but we're actually getting work in. And then we'll play in front of the campers and stuff like that. And it was the time during cards. Uh, it was time doing Patrick Patrick's funeral in Oakland. And MJ and them came up to me. and was like, yo, you want us to fly you to Oakland for, you know, your teammates funeral. And I was like, nah, you know, I'm not too big on funerals. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, now nah, I'm cool like that. And it was before all the tapes and stuff came out. And seeing Coach Bliss talk and saying how Patrick was such this guy, he was going to be an NBA player, just talking so highly of him. And then you hear him on the tapes trying to make him out to be a drug dealer two weeks later, like just sh like shitting on his name. What what kind of man can sit up there and 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 do that? Not somebody you want to play for, that's for sure. So when I when I got whiff of it and I heard the tapes, I was just like, yo, he just spoke at this guy's funeral two weeks ago, talking all highly and praising him. And now they got him on tape talking about he was a drug dealer and he was like this and doing that and boo woo. Like like just and he's and there's a person here that came in and defend himself. He's dead. He came in and defend himself. Like that's not a that's not a man to me. No. Oh. So then I, um, when I get when I get back from there, the AD called all of us in, right? So my mom and I drove from Houston to Waco. They got all the basketball team there. The AD was like, look, uh, we know it's, you know, the whole situation. We would love for y'all to stay together, show your loyalty, about your lo your Baylor loyalty, how much. And I, I stood up. I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not coming back here next year. I, me and my – I told my mom, I was, let's go. I was like, don't try to hit – like Matt Samuel was trying to talk to us about how we need to stay, show unity, show all this. I was like – I was fed up because, A, because of what I went through with Coach Bliss – to everything I've gone through that year, you know what I'm saying? And and this whole thing, and then all of us are being investigated because he yeah. got caught giving money, like doing this, doing so. Now we all in investigation. So I, I don't know how many times I had to meet with the NCAA my junior year at Oklahoma State going through the season. Um, and they and I was, I was like, no disrespect, like I always will have love for Baylor University, but it's like that love-hate. Yeah. Like, well, I'm, when I used to, I mean, like, you, I used to, you, you bring up some good people. Like, it's almost impossible to dislike Matt Samen. He's just such a good dude. But yeah. it just, like, and I mean, I'm sure you had fun on campus and other things, but that's the love part. But the hate, my God, like, Bliss was horrible to you. And it sounds like right. it almost kind of started. I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I was to see Bliss today, what I would do. Keep walking. 
Like, even when I saw him on that Showtime special, I like, you can ask my wife, I had my hairs were sticking up. I was so mad that he actually got another job. Yeah. I know. And like, I've not, a lot of this stuff is brand new information to me, what you've given me. And, um, you know, you talked about, I remember people started to want your dad as coach and everybody thought that made the most sense. I almost wonder yeah. if Bliss started crapping all over you because he was afraid of that possibility. I think so too. Even my dad said that. Cause all of a sudden my dad was behind the bench and now all of a sudden him and my mom and my little brother are in nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad being who he is, he was like, fuck that. He, when he goes sit down there, he was like, who gonna make me move? So he, he came down and moved, you know what I'm saying? So it, it was just like, I, it was just like little bitty stuff just adding up, like just trying to get me to explode, get me to get out of character. And I'm so happy I was so mentally strong, mentally tough of not getting out of character. So then when we got the transfer, at first I wanted originally, uh, I was going to go to Memphis, but then they, because we could transfer anywhere we wanted to go, but we could not transfer in the Big 12. Right. And then like two days later, they came back and said, oh, you can transfer in the Big 12 too. So I wanted to go to Texas. Yeah. Right. I wanted to go to Texas. My best friend is TJ Ford. He like Rick Barnes. Is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm constantly, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I want to go to Texas. But Rick Barnes is probably one of the realest coaches ever. He said, man, I would love to have you. But I've already made a commitment to Daniel Gibson. Mm-hmm. And I was like completely understand like that. So then I took a visit to Georgia. I took a visit to Rutgers uh, just because we had five visits to take. I just took visits. But I was on my way to Memphis, like Coach Cal, you know, I was about to have my summer job at FedEx and get my training. <laughs> like it was already in the works. And then I, that summer, Victor Williams was, uh, came to Houston to train my dad to get ready for the draft. And he was like, yo, you should go take a visit to Oklahoma State. I think Coach Sonny would be a perfect coach for you. I'm like, Stillwater? I'm like, hell no. It ain't nothing to do with Stillwater. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no. Because I'm an outgoing person. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, no. And he was like, man, trust me. I promise you. And then Ivan McFarlane, who was a really good friend of mine, who's from Houston and went to Really Ridge with TJ Ford, was a, a junior there at the time. So I went and I had braids. You know, I had braids at the time. Yeah. So I had braids. So I, would, I, I was like, all right, forget it. I'll go take a visit to Oklahoma State. So I, you know, boom, pick it, RB, boom, pick it. He flew me in on his plane. You know what I'm saying? They, like, you know, they fly you in on the plane, come in and land in the middle of a field somewhere, like in Stillwater. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I get off the plane and I'm like, man, oh my God. Like, what is this? Like, it's middle of, it's a, it's the middle of nowhere. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But when I got there, Coach Sutton had braids and Coach, and then it's just like God was talking to me, and God was like, "This is where you need to be." He Speaking was of like, Coach Sutton, he recently passed. I'm, I'm, yeah. I know that you mm-hmm. were close with him too, right? Mm-hmm. Very close. He was a another father, a father figure in my in my life in my career. Mm-hmm. Amazing basketball coach. Um, Amazing. So you're the best. Like a, I'm, I'm surprised it just now get to this year for him to get to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's, it's kind of criminal, to be honest with you. Um, but, man, out in the middle of nowhere, I tell you what, the one thing I will say about Stillwater, though, you're talking about it's boring and there's nothing there that's so true because um, I've been up there several times.
but the gym is the farthest thing from boring or quiet. <laughs> nah, it, it gets rowdy in there. Because, you know, I like I always like playing there. I remember my sophomore year, we beat them at Oklahoma State. I had a triple-double. Had, mm-hmm. I had 15 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. We beat, we beat them. So that was like a big, like, not. And I remember their crowd. And one thing about Albert Arena, like, it has a metal roof. So it gets loud, and it just bounces off the roof and comes right back down on the court. So the court is constantly vibrating because it gets so loud in there. But when I got there, right, Coach Sonny was like, all right, so, you know, he had this voice on, all right, John, get here. You know you're going to have to cut your hair. I was like, cut my hair? I'm not cutting my hair. Like, he was like, that's, you know, that's a rule of mine. And he told me, if you cut your hair, you're gonna be the, you will be the face of our team. Like, you're going to be on every magazine, sports, and when they talk about Oklahoma State, they're going to, you're going to be, and I was like, Ugh. and my dad been trying to get me to cut my hair for years. He was like, because he's all about image, and if you want to yes. be in the league, it's about business. And, I, you know, I was young and dumb at the time, but I end up, like, like I said, I'm very spiritual, so I feel like that Oklahoma State was where I needed to be. So I, I came to campus, like, when I decided, I showed up to school three months late because they didn't have a scholarship. And I took all those visits. So I actually showed up to school three months late. <laughs> uh, school started. And my first three weeks on campus, I got in about at least seven fights. Like, five, me and Tony Allen got in a fight. Me and two of my other teammates. And I got in a fight with some football players. Got in a fight with some Kappas. I had such a brick wall up just because of – I didn't – like, as, like, you didn't know, like, what I just went through still was affecting me to where anything was triggering me to where I was like, nah, I'm going to fight back. Like, so everything ended. And Coach Sutton and them had me go to get counseling, you know, and sit down and talk to somebody. And that's when I learned about fighting with certain demons, fighting with, you know, the, the what I didn't know was trauma to me at the time was going through the Baylor thing. And yeah. it wasn't for Tony Allen. I like, and you know, you, you've been around me. I used to hang with everybody. I started being a loner. Like, if you wasn't my brother or my cousins and stuff, that come, I wasn't hanging with you. Like, I ain't want no part of you. I ate by myself. Like, I literally would, like, the team would be eating over here. I ate at a table by myself. Like, I wow. didn't trust nobody. Because I just went through where I'd be like, one, two, three, family, then this guy kills it. So, why I'm not about to put myself in that situation again. Yeah. So, if it wasn't for Tony Allen constantly every day, because I always – one of the rules I had with Coach Sonny, I said, look, I don't do roommates. Like, I didn't have a roommate at Baylor. I was like, I don't do roommates. And everybody else had roommates. I was the only person who had their own apartment on the basketball team. And every day, Tony Allen used to come bang on my door like clockwork. Do, 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 do. Hey, man, we all getting together. Let's go get the wings. Hey, we're going to Eskimo Joe's. Hey, like, how I got to a point, I was like, man, what the f- do he want? Like, leave me. Like, like you see, I'm like <laughs> – and then one day I was just like, man, T.A., what do you want? Hey, man, just come hang with the guys, man. We, you know, we a team. We trying to build team bonding, man. We, and you are general. You are point guard, man. We're going to look up. We're we going to need you this year. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, all right, come on, man. If it's going to get you to stop banging on my door every day at 5 o'clock, then all right, I'll go. Uh-huh. And just getting around the guys and that all of a sudden that brick wall I built up, like they started knocking it down. They started knocking that down. Something I needed. Started knocking that down. And then it got to the point where I was like, yo, these are my brothers for life. Like, I have relationships with all these guys still to this day. 
Like man. Tony Allen was my what Tony Allen was a groomsman in my wedding. I was a groomsman in his wedding. Joey Graham, Stephen Graham, Ivan McFarlane, uh, Daniel Bar Bobby, TC Crawford, Franz, Jason Miller, where the like these guys, James on Kurt, like them are my brothers. Man, like, you brought up some ever, names right there too. I'm telling you, like James on Curry. Needed, if they ever needed anything, I'm if I I'm there. Yeah. Because they kind of pulled you through a tough time, like almost an impossible they, time. Impossible time. And it got to the point it was like, I'm willing to go through a brick wall for them. Like I like if we lost a game, I was like, it's on me. Like it ain't on them, it's on me. Like I was gonna be frontline. Like I won't gonna let anybody talk bad about Tony. I won't gonna let anybody talk bad about Ivan. Like I was gonna make sure I took the last shot because I knew I could handle it. Mm. You know, I and I when I handled it, I knew I wasn't gonna let these guys down. Yeah. Cause that it meant so like they meant that much to me. Like I love them. Coach Sutton, love them. The Sutton family, love them. Glenn Ciprian, love them. Cal Keller, who's doing a hell of a job at Stephen F. Austin. Love him. You know, it's it's like them, that's my family. Um, and I think that's why we had the year we had, my junior year. And what's crazy is although like I averaged the same numbers my sophomore year as I did my junior year when I won Big Tour Player of the Year. Yeah, that's true. I noticed that when I was looking through your stats. Um, I think that Sutton knew what he was doing with you more though. I mean Plus the other guys you listed, some players uh, there. Tony Allen's one of the best defensive players I've ever seen in my life, dude. Like the best. Like the he best. could lock down anybody. It, yeah. So what Coach Sutton did for me, Coach Sutton knew I just wanted to be coach. So he just coached me. He just coached me. And that's all I've ever wanted in my career was a coach to just coach me and not be intimidated by my background, not be intimidated by my dad being number one pick in the NBA, being a head coach in the NBA, being a general manager in the NBA, being a president in the NBA. You know, like, just knowing that I know everything, like, not, I don't know everything, but when it comes to basketball, I know a, a lot. You know, so, but and you can ask any of my other coaches, I just wanted to be coach. And in a That's positive it. way. In like, a positive way. I just, yeah, I just wanted to be coach. Just coach me. I understand. Tell um, me. So. Like, I understand that completely because there's the type of people that respond really well to negative force, but, like, some people need, you know, like, hey, man, good job. Get them the next time to keep going. Like. Yeah. So, I just, like, a lot of stuff, like, Coach Sun is the best, man. Like, I'm going, like, since we're talking about, like, certain things is coming back to me. <laughs> that I haven't even thought about. I just remember, like, that I knew he was the coach for me because he didn't take – like, he knew what he knew what basketball meant to me. So i never forget, like, I started, like, that summer I was working with a coach and my dad, and I was coming down taking fast break threes, right, all the time, all summer. So I, like, the first couple of games, like, so the first game of the season, I came down, it was, like, three on one, and I shot a fast break three. And I made it. And all of a sudden, the backup point guard comes to and tucks me out of the game. And Coach Sutton's like, oh, my God, John, why did you take that shot? That is an awful shot. He was like, you understand me? I was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. So he checked. He's like, go back and get him. So I go back in there. Like five, maybe six plays later, I do the exact same thing. 
he takes me right back out the game. And he's like, oh, and then like Coach Dicky, who I love to this day, Coach Dicky's like this Southern charmer type of guy. He don't never he used to be the head coach at the University of uh Texas Tech, and then he got the assistant coaching job with us. And then he was the, recently the head coach of University of Houston for a little mm-hmm. bit. Now he's he went went back to Stillwater. And he was like, he came and he's like, ah, oh, come on, John, let me talk to you. You know, you, know, you just got to pick and choose, pick and choose, like trying to calm me down. Because I was on the bench like, fuck it, I'm not, like, I, I can't play here. Like, he ain't going to let me be me. I can't, I can't, I can't play. And like, you know what I'm saying? So it come up. He was like, yeah, just calm down. We gonna, I'm going to get you back in. So he looked, you know, he had this thing where he'd go, Coach Sonny, he ready? Like, like, Coach, like, he ready? So Coach, like, Coach, like, all right, go back and get him. So, like, two plays later, I did the exact same thing. And so, I hit the shot. <laughs> I was three for three. So, I hit the yeah. shot. <laughs> and the, and, and uh, Coach Sutton um, looked at Coach Deacon and was like, he got a set of nuts on him. I think I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> like, it was just like he had to see where I was coming from, and I had to see where he was coming from. But what Coach Sutton got my respect for, like, sometimes I, like, when I say I used to talk trash in practice because it would be boring to me, I started doing that at Oklahoma State. And then all of a sudden, my dad popped up in practice one day. Like, he called my dad. My dad flew from Houston, popped up to practice. I'm, like, playing. I'm, like, yeah, you can't hold me. I hold that talking noise. And all of a sudden, I look up. I see my dad in practice. I'm, like, okay. Like everybody knows, like I'm, I'm like I'm. Me and my dad are best friends. Like that's my role model, my idol. But I'm scared of my dad. And anybody yeah. who has fathers, you, I don't care how old they are, that's your dad. Yep. So when I saw my dad, I was like, like I know I got all my grades. I'm not. I didn't. Cut, cut. I'm like going. And so he was like, and he has this thing. He calls me Hoss. That's our our names. We call each other at home, like Hoss. Like you remember Boss Hog and Hog. We like yo Hoss. Hoss is like what we call each other. So it's like, Hoss, in that raspy voice, let me holler at you, right? So I'm like, oh, like, I'm nervous. I don't know what, it was like, why do you have me flying here and you doing, a, like, would you stop thinking, tell, letting these people think you're crazy? Like, are we going to have a problem? I'm like, nah, we ain't going to have no problem. Like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like, I'm positive. I'm like, I'm sure. He was like, don't have me fly back here. That's all I need to hear. I was like, all right. And he, and then my dad walks out of practice. He's like, Coach Sutton. Coach looked at him. He's like, you, you won't have any more issues out of him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did he ever have to go to Austin and do that for Jai or what? <laughs> I don't know. But I, but Jay, me and Jay personalities are too different. <laughs> so he would never have to. But to then, I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm not messing with him anymore. Like, he got the oh. ultimate ammo. He has the ultimate animation against me. He can just call me. And my dad is like, is, don't have. So, that's me, the worst and Sutton, me and Coach yeah. Sutton was like this. Me almost 40. Like this. I guarantee you that, you know, almost at 40, dad could still call and, and you'd be like, oh, <gasps> what did I do wrong? I know, I know. <laughs> So that and, and like everybody was like, ooh, I'm like, yeah, ooh, yeah, I'm for real. Like I, like y'all can make fun of me all you want to. Like I don't play with him. Like that's one person oh. I don't play with. <laughs> you know, um, I guess the, the last thing I really got for you on on the bliss thing. It's something that I meant to ask you earlier. You know, when he was throwing everybody under the bus, somebody else that he really threw under the bus was the Houston superstars. Like he went after them in all those tapes. The Houston, the AAU team, the Houston Superstars, yeah. Coach, Coach John, yeah, Coach John Yuri. Yeah, because Bliss like blamed a bunch of bunch of stuff on them to, on him too. 
Man, and I watched y'all play, man. Y'all were awesome. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, we had. I, I was even. I didn't even. I only played like two tournaments with them, but it was like me, TJ Ford, Daniel Ewing, Kenny Taylor, Lawrence Roberts, uh, Corey Smith. We had, we had a squad, and I never played. See, that's the thing. I didn't play AAU basketball growing up. I only played high school basketball. I didn't know what AAU was until like going into my senior year, and I played right. like th- three tournaments. So, because in the summertime, I was traveling for tennis. Every weekend, I had a tennis tournament. So, it was just, like, that was, that's what it was. You know, there's a guy, one of my best friends, I don't don't know, I don't know what he said about the Houston Superstars, because I've never heard any tape about him uh, doing that. So, I can't really speak on something. I don't know what he said. About your tennis, I was actually, I'm glad you brought it up. I was actually asked by a friend to ask you about that. Um, Mm-hmm. One of my best friends, his name's Steve Kim. He's from Houston. But he um, he told me that he used to play at the same club that you did, but he never got to play against you. What side tennis like, club? Yes. He said, you yeah. have no idea how good he was at tennis. He was like, he yeah. was better at tennis than basketball. I was and I, 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 that's what I said. My dad hated the fact that I chose basketball over tennis. Because he was like, you could be the next, you could be the next Arthur Ashe. Like, it's not too many black people in tennis. Like, your whole, you could really let the young black man know that tennis is cool. Like, it is like, like, I wore Jordans when I played tennis. <laughs> like, I, I love basketball. I just always had that basketball bug, and I still play tennis to this day. But, man, the 10s might make a good tennis shoe, now that I think about it. Those are my favorite basketball shoes that he playing. Yeah, I love the 10s, dude. Um, but, yeah, I played tennis. I, 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 um, I played at Westside Tennis Club. Um, and that's where the Houston Rockies used to practice. So I used to usually go from the tennis court straight to the basketball court and play against Steve. And then when they play pickup basketball, it's all at yeah. the same facility. Wow. Okay. Shoot. Well, dude, I know that you've got a busy man. You got coaching going on right now, too, right? Mm-hmm. How's that going? Coaching is going great, man. I love it. Now I started my own company, uh, JL3 Basketball, player development. I got a lot of pros I train with, a lot of pre-draft workout guys, like guys getting ready for the NBA draft. Um, I have my own AU team, JL3 Elite. We're sponsored by Nike, so we EYBL. And I also have another independent team called JL3 Basketball. Um, it's just my family business, man. Honestly, I love the game. I'm just paying it forward. Why hold all this knowledge and pass it on to the next generation? And I just want to teach them the right way and let them and let them not go through this. Give them the blueprint so they don't have to go through the same mistakes I did coming through where they are know what's right and they know what's wrong. You know, so I just want to always teach the guys the right way of playing. Is there anybody in this upcoming draft we need to keep an eye on? Uh, I would keep. I mean, a little bit of everybody. I got a chance to really see a little, a little like uh, the ball kid. I think is is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, Lamelo Ball, his IQ is mm-hmm. very high. Uh, he, his skill level is high, and he's not scared of competition. He's not scared of competing. Um, the kid, uh, the big man from Memphis, is probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. Wiseman, uh, yeah, Wiseman. Uh, it's a lot of guys that's coming out. It's a lot of guys I don't think that should be coming out, but who am I to say? You know what I'm saying? Uh, the NBA's not going anywhere. I tell no. guys that all the time. And once you decide to cross over to that and it doesn't pan out, it ain't no going back to school. Now you got to figure it out on your own. I wish they would make it where they, uh, players could at least make money off their own likeness in college. Uh, uh, well, now, it starts January first that you can. 
Really? So, yeah, they passed it January 1st, they can. Okay, see, I think that that would help kids stay in school longer. Like, if Zion probably wouldn't even be in this fiasco right now, if he was allowed to make money off of his own YouTube page and stuff while he was in school. Well, that's what they were saying. So, it's a likeness. So, you know, they're trying to figure it out. I mean, times are changing. You look at the world going on right now, it's a lot changing that's going on. Um, you know, it just everybody's just going to have to figure it out. Honestly, um, it's just, you know, we, we're in a tough time. You know, the world's at a different state right now. Um, it's just, man, you know, you got to stay prayed up and, you know, stay true to who you are. Don't change your integrity. Don't change who you are as a man or who you are as a woman to try to fit in in today's society. Be true to who you are, and I think you'll get everything you want out of life. Heck, yeah. Well, John, i tell you what. It's been a lot of fun, man. Um, if I have you, if I'm able to get you back on again, I want to talk offenses and defenses and put all this other stuff behind us. Because um, the next time I'd any, love to pick your brain, man. Anytime, anytime. You got anytime. Dude, I really appreciate it. If you guys already don't, go follow this man on Instagram. Like he said, he's advertising all the stuff that he's doing right now over there. Um, if you want to have a really good laugh on YouTube, go watch this man fight Francisco Garcia, I think was his name, at the end of the Houston Rockets yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah, man. It was that—that that was a frustrating time for me, man. <laughs> it was because I went from being on a team where we always been playoffs to being on a team that was rebuilding, and you know, as a veteran, then I think I was like my eighth year in the league. Um, you know, I went from playing like every game. I actually started like the first fifteen games of the season that year with, mm -hmm. and then we didn't do so good because we was young, and um. You know, then they decided to shut all the veterans down. They know, like, after Christmas, which is crazy to me. So it wasn't about winning. It was about draft picks then. So I was frustrated because I've always been a competitor. I've always been wanting to win. So that, that I wish I would have never did. That was all frustration. Like, I was tired. Whoa. I felt like I shouldn't have been in the game in the last 40 seconds of the game. Like, yeah. I didn't play the whole game. So, it, and me and Francisco Garcia like this. That's my boy. But when he threw that elbow in my rib, I have little man syndrome, so I felt like he was trying to big boy me. So that's what triggered me into – and when I threw the punch, it was I wasn't trying to throw the punch. I was trying to make sure I got my reach down to – if it was to get to that point, I was <laughs> I was further away enough so when he swung, I was – you know, because I take boxing. So when I threw the first punch, it was just like a token punch to see where my reach was at, to see my distance. So people don't know. They was like, oh, he threw a punch and he didn't even swing. Nah. I threw a punch and get my distance. Be like, okay, I got to squeeze in a little bit closer. Once. Like I'm thinking, I'm, like I play, like I play chess. I don't play checkers. So every right. time I'm doing so, I'm thinking two or three steps ahead. <laughs> Man, and they uh, they tanked that whole season to come up with a pick that didn't even last in the league too. I don't even know yeah. where Dante Exum is anymore, man. <laughs> All right, man. You know that's the that's that's business. So like I said, I always said that's above my pay grade. And yep. that's that's not in my field, so I can't speak I can't explain well, that stuff. As a fan and an analyst, I can talk trash all I want to. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um anyway, John, man, awesome guys. Follow this guy. Um seriously. And uh if you on your Instagram put up links, stuff like that, maybe uh whenever we're able to actually get back and start watching basketball in person again, some people down in the Houston area will be able to go catch up with some of your teams. 
Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. This was a, uh, you brought up some old memories uh, that I haven't talked about in years, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You too. All right.